Hey, hey, hey. Are you drinking instant coffee? (laughs) Again? Obviously I am. (laughs) Why don't you just drink like, why don't you get like good coffee? And then maybe. (laughs) And what, a coffee machine? Do you think I'm made of money? Oh, shit. I have to turn off YouTube. I can hear our live stream. (laughs) So unprofessional. Okay, okay. I forgot. I forgot. Okay. So there. How so, is things? How is life? Um, okay. So hi everyone. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the same drugs. I'm Megan Murphy. And I'm Laura McNally. And we always forget to say that. Please like, subscribe, and sign up <laughs> to Patreon. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> we never remember to say anything. I get to the end, I'm like, oh, right, this is a show. <laughs> Megan. We are very professional. We support me on Patreon. Everything. We do this for free. And, mm-hmm. like, it's obviously very challenging for us. We take it really seriously. It's a lot of work. Oh, my God. We it are actually both wearing yellow. What? Yes. We're both wearing yellow. Huh? Which is, did you get a new top or is this one of oh, your just, three like, tops? In the bottom of my suitcase and like all the others are so crumpled that I can't wear them, but this is like ruffled, so it doesn't matter. Hmm. So, so, you know, for all those people who We're going to get a lot of comments being clothes. like, Laura is not wearing clothes again. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If you have a problem with like my clothes, I'm happy for you to send me money and I'll buy clothes with your money. It can send us some money so we can buy Laura some real shirts. <laughs> and I still won't wear them because I hate shirts. Oh yeah, okay. The back, the, the backdrop. I was gonna say something. I figured you guys would notice because I didn't have like my fur. It's not a fur. It's a sheepskin. Um, yeah, this is like a just. A, I actually have a table right here, <laughs> whereas before, in front of my my big chair, there was like a coffee table and then a stack of like twenty books that I would <laughs> just set my laptop on, oh. and then another stack of books to get the mic closer to my face, but it still wasn't even that close. So I'm trying a new setup just because I think it's better for. Where's your now. new camera? I don't know, man. It's taking forever to get here. And I emailed them recently and they were like, oh, yeah, it should have shipped by now. Mm-hmm. So they said they were going to look into it. I haven't heard. Um, and Everyone's working at home right now. So everyone's sold out of webcams and like know, all that stupid. stuff. I shouldn't have even bothered because like, what is the point? I'm not going to be able to get it until this whole thing's over anyway, <laughs> which is very soon in BC. We're ending yeah. uh, the lockdowns. Really? I'm trying to hide my excitement. <laughs> it's not even going to be that fun, though. Like, I really need to, like, like get my hopes down. Them? Well, okay, so there. Um, I'm looking very academic. <laughs> I just did this so that you guys would think I was smarter. <laughs> you know what people do? do you guys some also people, read books? Some people legitimately put books in oh, their totally. background. But I'm like, dude, everyone reads books. No one cares. Like, congratulations. I actually don't read books. Like, these books I have read, I used to read books. I don't, I swear, I don't have time to read books anymore. Like, when was the last time you read an entire book? I read parts of books all the time. Like, I'll read all, like, nonfiction books. Like, for research, for interviews, stuff like that. Like, I'll read those books. But I don't, when I'm, when I'm researching for an interview, I'm not reading from start to finish, usually, even. Yeah. Like, I'm not, like, crack open the book, read the intro, read it all the way to the end. You know, you're looking for 
I'm mm-hmm. kind of, there's a handful of books that I just love, like Adrian Rich and some of those, and I just always go back to them. But with that aside, like for I'm reference, just, yeah. Yeah. And just because I like them. I mean, I just, I can't even think of, I, I this is so shameful. Um, I, I'm not recommending this, but I just, I can't even think of the last time I got to the end of a book. I think I actually I read the entirety of um, Kat Marnell's book, which is a very easy read out of Working your Life. It's right here, actually. <laughs> I, I, I listen to audiobooks till the end, though. Um, mm-hmm. I listened to Douglas Murray's book. And I listen to, um, which I highly recommend. Yeah. And I listened to, I'm just making sure that I get the title of the, 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 wait, where is it? Yeah. Book recommendations are a whole thing. A lot of people, um, want to know like what to read. Everyone's got time on their hands right now. Have um, you been reading? Not any more than normal. To, I mean, I've been working more, anyways. But um, what? What's your like? What are your top few books? Oh, don't ask me that. I won't be able to remember anything. Um, I would say um, I always go back to Adrian Rich. Um, I'm sure I've probably got it open on Kindle right now. Adrian Rich's um, Lies, Secrets, and Silence. Uh, Women Who Run With the Wolves, Clarissa Estes. Oh, Love Your... Okay, this is a great book, actually, that everyone should read. It's called Love Your Enemies by Arthur Brooks. Um, Mm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Arthur Brooks, but he um, has... Or he had a a really good podcast that was on the same subject matter. Um, You know, and it's actually is looking at what I try to talk about all the time, but I think I'm just less polite than he is because I get in a lot of trouble (laughs) when he doesn't get in trouble. And also, actually, the reason why I get in so much trouble for saying this stuff, which I'll explain to you in a minute, is that is because of feminism, actually. So because I've been a part of the feminist movement for so long, um, I don't want to say so long because, you know, there's women who've been in the feminist Mm -hmm. movement for like, 40 or 50 years right Mm -hmm. for me I've been around for you know 10 years and before that I was in university doing women's studies but I wasn't doing anything that could be called activism or anything like that Mm -hmm. but um I think that's ironic now that I think of it so he wrote a book essentially about why we should talk to people that we disagree with and how to do it like love your enemies so it's Mm -hmm. like and you know he he says you know if you're you're, you're left wing or you're liberal, you should watch and read right wing media and vice versa. You know, don't don't stick to your silo. Um, don't vilify people who are politically on the other side of the spectrum than you. You know, try to have conversations, try to understand right. one another, try to be empathetic. Um, right. And it's great. And I feel like that's what I've sort of been trying to advocate probably less articulately and again <laughs> less politely than he has for, yeah so what are his tips for having those conversations that are generally very hard conversations to have does he go into that well I listened to it a long time ago so I actually can't remember if he gave specific tips I think he does um but I sorry I should I should know that but I can't remember um but you know, what I, I, mean? I mean, I just th- I don't find it hard to have those conversations. I guess some people do. Like, I guess I think that yeah. there's some people who take politics really personally, 
And so if they were to be at the bar or at a dinner table with somebody, or, you know, maybe in an interview with someone Mm -hmm. who had wildly different politics than, than they, or, you know, Mm -hmm. they were a Trump supporter or anti-abortion or, you know, I guess pro-gun. I'm trying to think of like issues that really divide people especially in America. Abortion, Um, vaccination, religion. Yeah. But I mean, I don't, I, I I find it interesting more than I find it Mm. maddening to have those conversations. Like I really genuinely find it really interesting to talk to somebody who is like an anti-vaxxer or who's pro-gun pro-guns and to listen to where they're coming from because usually it's not a bad place usually it's a good place and I mean that's something that Arthur Brooks would say also you know and and you know lots of other people have said that as well like in general people people do have good intentions they think that whatever they're advocating for is positive, good for that the mm-hmm. world, you know, and not just in a selfish way, sometimes in a selfish way, but often, you know, they think this is the best thing for society. But what we do, you know, people who are political or people who are activists or whatever, is that we we either assume or we just announce that the people on the other side of the debate are bad. And that they want society to be bad um, and that they don't care about people or they don't care about society. They don't care about justice. They don't care about ethics. And I'm guilty of doing this mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, I yeah. think it's interesting because um, it reminds me of that book, Nonviolent Communication. And I can't remember all of the details of it, but I feel like one of the really important things is um, coming at hard conversations in a way that like gives space and acknowledges the other person's right to hold their view. So instead of coming in with the, a lot of people go into hard conversations with the goal of I'm going to change the way you think. And it it basically never happens like that. Like it never works. (laughs) No, I mean, mostly people are really set in their ways and, Mm -hmm. and you're right. So they come into those discussions. Well, they come into those discussions defensively so um they come in being like i'm going to prove that my point is the right point and that it's better and that you're wrong and maybe they think that the other person will see the light if they just explain themselves but yeah most people don't come into those conversations with curiosity which is how you should come into those conversations Mm -hmm. and empathy and um without assuming the worst about the other person. Um, it takes a lot of work to get to that place, though. And that, I think, is one of the kind of sticking points in a lot of progressive politics is that people come in with all of the, they come in when they're triggered, they come in when something's really set them off and upset them, and they come in with the full force of their emotional like experience and you will hear my experience and I am so offended and you are definitely wrong and you're the reason that I feel this way and I'm going to make you change your mind because of how upset I am. And it's like, it's fine that you feel that way and it's probably very valid, but coming at someone with the full weight of that emotional response is not actually going to do you or the other person any favors. Right. So I was going to say, I don't actually think it is fine that people feel that way because, 
I mean, I understand feeling triggered around that stuff. Um, but what I, you know, what I don't support is people reacting based on their triggers. <clears throat> so, you know, you mean I, I mean, it's hard when you're young because you haven't learned that yet. You haven't learned not to react based on your, tri- your triggers. So yeah. if you're triggered, you do react and and you haven't yet learned that if you're feel like you haven't re- learned to recognize when you're feeling triggered in the first place, but then you also haven't learned that if you're feeling triggered and you're like, okay, I'm having like a super like heightened emotional response. I'm obviously feeling triggered. I shouldn't respond right now. This is the mm-hmm. worst time to respond. What I should do is like go for a walk or go do something else or maybe like write down my anger and how I'm feeling and then come back to this and I'll have like, a more sane, excuse me, a more sane response, or I won't even care anymore. Like often what happens when I do that, like, you know, if I'm, I try to stay away from Facebook arguments, but I'm, if I'm involved in some like heated comment thread or something like that, then, and if I, if I, if I'm like writing something out and I'm like, it's like this big long thing, often I'll just like leave it and not (laughs) press enter and walk away. And then it ends up, going for days and days like it just sits there for three days and then eventually three days later I'm like I don't give a fuck anymore (laughs) like I don't want to be involved in this anyway this is a total waste of my energy yeah there were I saw this funny meme that was like when you learn to post your rants into notes rather than Facebook posts is when you know you've reached like a new level of maturity (laughs) and it's true because when you post the rant you think like I'll feel relieved that I got it out but it actually becomes a snowball effect because then people jump in and you're like now I have to defend the other thing and now the other thing and now six other people have opinions and now I feel even worse and it's like okay so this is why sometimes you just got to sit back and like let it pass come back to it when you're actually feeling good and you can think like, cause you can't think like higher order thinking. And we were talking about this in terms of uh, coronavirus and everyone's under a lot of stress. Everyone's more anxious. Everyone's jumping into like massive fights right now. And I was like, that's totally understandable because when you're under stress, uh, your thinking shifts down. So instead of being like higher order executive functioning, you're more like limbic system. You're more in the amygdala. So you're in like fight or flight. You actually can't think conceptually and you can't do the same level of problem solving that you would normally do when you're not triggered. So that's kind of why all these coronavirus debates have been so intense because um, everyone's really operating at a, in a way that's fueled more by f- fight and flight than actual higher order thinking. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I think that it, that's good. What you mentioned is to remember, and I try to remind myself of this is that I don't think that Facebook arguments, you know, 99% of the time, I don't think that they make me feel better. I think they make me feel worse. And and then, yeah, you get caught up in this thing where you're, it feels, it's almost like you're exposed. So you become vulnerable because you're posting in front of all these other people watching. So it's not just about you and the other person having the conversation and, you know, being respectful or sane or rational or trying to understand or whatever. It's that you're feeling shame because if this, somebody else says something to you that's insulting or condescending or you feel misunderstood or misrepresented, you're not 
it's not so much. It is a little bit that you're angry at that person for insulting you and condescending to you and misunderstanding you, but it's that every other people are watching. Mm. So they're seeing you being insulted mm. or condescended to or misunderstood. Like you're, you're so you can't stop because you're like, I need to like, yeah, like I'm, it's like, yeah, you feel sort of like you're having a public debate, I guess, but it's the worst debate format ever. It's just like, <laughs> like, and nobody's reading everything and like nobody's moderating. And yeah. I mean, I, it's funny. Cause I, I had, there was this conversation and like actually in some Facebook group that I'm in, not, I really don't participate in many Facebook groups. Like I think maybe one or two max. Um, yeah. And somebody asked, you know, like if Facebook arguments were, good or bad and I was like bad like almost always bad like a waste of time a waste of energy like makes you feel it makes you feel exhausted after um it doesn't really feel productive and I think most people kind of responded in that way but there was like you know one or two people who were like no they're great (laughs) it's like I don't know. I don't know if I believe, like, what's great about it? Like, who, what, who, what kind of person would enjoy a Facebook argument, do you think? Yeah, and I wonder if this is contributing I'm not to... insulting these people, by the way, who said this. I'm, I'm actually curious, that, like, I'm wondering what kind of person, I'm not saying well, what kind of person, a terrible person, but, like, what is the kind of person who would enjoy, maybe they don't have the chance to have those debates in real life or something like that, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like part of it has something to do with the, um, like, political polarization that's going on where people are being pushed more and more to the fringes of the left and the right um, because of those kind of debates. Like, you become, and that's kind of known, right, when people engage in these kind of debates, they generally, when they're presented with data that undermines their position, they generally become more concrete in their original position they don't become more flexible in their position so I feel like the internet and social media is really bad for that in terms of people come into it saying oh well show me evidence and then they get shown evidence and and they go oh fuck that like I'm just going to double down like there's always a doubling down when you engage in these yeah it's like well I'm going to make a new argument then let's forget that one And that's the thing. I think that's why it's like, it's so unhealthy. And as soon as you shut off the internet and you go and have that conversation in the real world, it's like a way more productive conversation. It's usually like way more helpful. You get a lot more out of it. You feel better afterwards than you would in this like horrific heated debate on social media. Yeah, you usually feel understood. Actually, like I'll give you an example of this actually happening. Um, This woman who I knew, I wasn't super close with her. I was friends with her daughter, actually. So she's probably, um, she would have been at least 20 years older than me at the time. And I met met her daughter when I was living on Denman Island, um, which is like this small golf island off of, in, in BC. Um, so I, I've talked to you about this before. I've written about this weird experience before, but, um, so I was friends with her daughter. I was sort of friends with her a little bit, but yeah, not super, super close, but we're friends on Facebook and she's like very involved in the queer community. So Mm -hmm. she's a lesbian, um, and she lives over on the drive, which is like where that's like queer community trans activism central, like commercial drive has always been like 
where all the weirdos live. It's also the like Italian part of, of Vancouver. Like it's cool. Like I was, I was born over on commercial actually. Like yeah. um, it used to be more working class than it is now, although it hasn't been like so gentrified that it's totally ruined, but it's got lots mm-hmm. of like cool delis and stuff like that. And yeah. lots of fucking freaks. Um, <laughs> but so she, you know, when I was about to go to Ottawa to testify against Bill C-16, um, obviously a lot of people were talking shit about me online and saying I was going to go testify against trans rights, like against trans people having rights, <sighs> which is not the case. I went and I only talked about women's rights. I didn't talk about trans identified people at all. Um, I talked about sexism and I talked about gender and like what femininity and masculinity are and why women's rights mattered. And she, you know, like we had had some back and forth about this issue in the past because I had been writing about it a bit. Um, And in one case, she was like, maybe this isn't like the best place to talk about this. Or I said this, I can't remember which one of us, but it was a polite conversation on Facebook. Let's like go for a beer and we'll talk about this in person. So we went out for beer. We talked about it. I explained my position. She explained her position. We were like, okay, cool. Like they don't totally disagree with you, but I get it. And that's fine. Like we're cool. I understand where you're coming from now. Um, And that was the last time that I talked to her And then, you know, maybe a month or something later, this Bill C-16 thing was happening. I was going to Ottawa and she posts on my timeline. She doesn't message me. She doesn't text me. She doesn't call me. She doesn't post something on her wall. She posts something on my wall saying like, I can't believe you're going to fucking Ottawa to testify against trans rights. Like this super hostile message that was basically like, you hate trans people. And I was just like, I can't believe that you're, you know exactly what my position is and you're just doing this in front of everyone. Why? Like to virtue signal that you hate me because like you're getting pressure from your friends that you're friends with me or something like that. Like what the fuck is this phony bullshit? Like, it's like, you can just like message me and be like, actually I changed my mind and decided you're a terrible person. Bye. Like, why are you posting on my fucking Facebook wall? And you know, just the fact that it was like, we literally just had a very pleasant in-person conversation about this. Like, mm. It's really sad. Did she know the contents of your testimony or would were they not public? No, I hadn't gone yet. And she was confused even because actually I think she when she posted that, she thought that I'd gone already. So now that I'm thinking about it, I think what she posted was like, did you actually go to Ottawa to testify against trans people's rights or trans people having mm-hmm. rights or whatever? And I was like... No, I did not actually because I'm going next week or whatever. This is so wild to me. She's probably just been seeing stuff all over Facebook and getting shit from her friends or something for not, you know, publicly insulting me. I don't know. It's incredible how uh, polarized the discussion around around transgender and the bill C whatever it's called like the same happened in Australia with the safe schools program which was meant to be an anti-bullying program but was going to teach children about gender identity and so on Um, and so basically it became the same polarized thing of if you don't blanket accept and promote this program in schools then you're anti-transgender children and you literally want them to die and it's like 
are you fucking kidding? Like part of the issue with, and it would be much the same as with um, the Bill C-16 you're talking about, is we don't know the ramifications of what this is going to do. And in particular, this was something to do with kids. So it was basically like this experiment to see how do kids go when we just present them with all this information on gender identity and tell them to pick a gender and we think it's going to help bullying. It's just a total guess. There was no evidence But they were saying, like, if you're not for this, then you want LGBT kids to be bullied and to potentially die. Like, are you serious? Part of caring about LGBT kids is to want evidence-based programs in place for their support. And you're promoting this experiment, which you don't know what it's going to do. How can you say that that's pro anybody's rights? It's, it's, It's hypotheses. It's guesswork. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've been told this so many times. So I'm sort of like, okay. I think they. it's just that people just talk to each other and reinforce their own shit and then repeat it. They're not actually listening to me or you or whatever. And actually, no. this is why in-person conversations are beneficial because, you know, they, you know, these people who are saying these kinds of things, uh, you know, trans activists or whatever, aren't actually reading what I write and they're not mm. really watching my talks they're protesting my talks based on what other people have told them that i say (laughs) but they're not actually attending um there's a bunch of people in the comments saying like they can't talk to their friends about this stuff which i get actually like there i have friends who we just don't talk about this um because i don't know i know they don't totally agree with me and Mm because i don't you know we've we've talked about it already and i'm not gonna keep like beating a dead horse i don't really mm. like that saying at all <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a new thing to say like don't ever be mean to a horse <laughs> like, especially a dead one <laughs> why would you do that <laughs> um but uh yeah like so i mean i guess if your friends bring it up um then for sure talk to them about it and explain your position but I don't know. I don't go around necessarily bringing this stuff up with my friends, no, but that's because there. I'm in a particular situation where everybody already knows what my view is. So yeah. it would be weird if I was like, Hey guys, what do you think about gender identity? Yeah. I mean, this is really, um, I'm going to post about this um, soon on Instagram because just this week there was like a couple psychologists shared my stuff. And then I got a bunch of DMS being like, Oh, you're transphobic. Cause you're friends with Megan Murphy. And I'm like, Jesus Better Christ, than just people? friends. <laughs> we could We're in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, this is the fucking thing. Like everything I've written about um, uh, the Safe Schools program and all that stuff has been about let's take an evidence-based approach to these issues. And you're saying, no, you can't talk about it. And I'm like, dude, if you care so much about LGBT issues, you should want to have these conversations. You should want to get to the bottom of what is the best way to address these issues. But you're like, no, you can't talk about it, period. They can't any territory, though. They they know that their positions are weak and indefensible. This is my opinion. My opinion is that... The people who are really awful on this issue, I refer to them as trans activists. And just to be clear, I don't mean trans identified people. I mean, yeah. people, I say this who all the time. Who think they represent. 
the issue. For people who advocate gender identity ideology or legislation, the people yeah. who go after women who, you know, want to talk about sex-based rights and women's rights and whatever, mm. you know, they, I think that they know that their position is weak and indefensible. And that's why they accuse, of, accuse us of all these crazy things like mm. wanting people to die and being dangerous and being harmful and being violent and, you know, being guilty of hate speech and all those things. Mm. Um, and why they just use mantras instead of engaging. So they don't engage with what you're saying. They just shout at you and say trans women are women or whatever it is. And yeah. I think they know because that, that, that if they, and that's why they won't debate us. I mean, I've, mm -hmm. I've tried to, you know, have public debates with, I'm happy to have these debates and conversations. I kind of enjoy it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but and it's nobody part of doing, doing your job, right? Like it's part of doing your job to talk about and report on these things. It's part of my job as a psychologist to talk about and think critically about how this is impacting people's mental health. And it's like you're hamstrung from doing that. You can't do it. All these psychologists are quitting and leaving gender identity clinics. But we can't talk about why. We can't talk about like rapid onset gender dysphoria because that's against the rules. Like you want psychologists to support people's mental health, but you don't want us to talk about what's going on. So how are we going to do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody says people can be really two faced agreeing with you in person, but blanking as soon as they get pressure from their social circle, which I think is, I mean, that happens all the time and it drives me crazy because it's not like I expect my friends or my boyfriends or whatever to, not that How I have boyfriends, <laughs> boyfriends that didn't that's, you could take that in more than one All way. eight of my boyfriends <laughs> none of my boyfriends <laughs> we'll none talk about that in the men who have been you'll know, talk about all my boyfriends on patreon tune in um I don't have any boyfriends you guys um <laughs> Like in the in the past, the boyfriends that I have had <laughs> during periods of time separately, um, one at a time. Uh, you know, I've gotten angry that they won't, you know, tell these people what they really think because I know what they really think because they talk to me about it, and either they're like, "This is crazy," or "This is stupid," or "What the fuck," or you know, they'll have actually a very intelligent like developed position on it and you know I, I get they don't want to have arguments with their friends yeah i get that my friends don't want to have arguments with it i don't expect people to go around fighting with people all the yeah. time but it's like you know at least don't throw me under the bus like at least yeah. don't let people trash me and not say anything um yeah. and some of them have um, yeah. some of my boyfriends have too, some of them have not, some of my friends have, some of them have not, but it's incredibly disappointing and it really makes me sort of lose respect for those people and really not like, like them, to be honest. Like I mm -hmm. have, well, you know, I have friends who I know are close friends with people who've said horrible things about me mm -hmm. and I'm sort of like, okay, like, you know, I don't want you to get into a war over this, but you share my opinion exactly. You've talked to me about it a million times. You text me about it all the time because you're so mad about it and you have no one else to talk to about it. So I just get all this like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's pretty crazy. Like, I've already but seen this, but I, yeah, I know, right? Like, it's like, I'm their only outlet. And then you allow these people to say these things and you don't say anything. Like, it would be one thing if you 
disagreed with me or you didn't have a position on this, but to have a position and then let people, you know, vilify me and stay buddies with them because it's, you know, it serves you socially in terms of your job, you know, it's like, oh, this person is employing you or you're working with them or whatever, or this person has like a high status in our social circle here. So, you know, they bring you some level of status or popularity or whatever it is, like, it's really sad that under the guise of being progressive, there's this in-group, out-group phenomena and people are reinforcing the in-group position as being righteous, even though they don't agree with it, just because they're scared of ostracization. But in fact, if people were authentic and spoke up and, and were more upfront with what they think, Oh, there's someone like screaming in the background. Sorry. Oh, that's you. Okay. Um, if people were more upfront about their position, that there would be an opportunity to create more social cohesion through being honest. But we're creating social cohesion through being dishonest. And that's not totally. Really yeah, and it's like I mean, and I think that's a very Canadian thing. I don't know. You can probably tell me if it's not just a Canadian thing. I don't know if people do that in Australia or New Zealand or anywhere else where you've lived. But in Canada, I mean, I think people want to keep the peace so much that they do lie or they don't speak up about mm-hmm. their opinions. Um, you know, Vancouver is an incredibly phony place. You know, people are first of all very stupid and like very but at the same time think they're very political and intelligent so it's like the worst of both worlds like it's like everyone thinks that they're having all these like really smart like really important political opinions and really they're complete fucking morons and they're such phonies um and they just all want to get along like it's all your social circle matters so much here um so nobody is honest and nobody says what they really think and nobody has real conversations ever. Like it's, it's very hard to find people who are like that here. And actually, and that's why I enjoyed being in the UK so much. Like when I went to, to the UK to do some talks, I was like, oh man, like the women here are so refreshing and awesome. Like the people in general, because people are much less afraid of conflict and they have like a dry sense of humor and are very sarcastic, which is like more on my level. Like there's not all this like sucking up all the time and all this passive aggressive shit. Like Mm. faux intellectualism is very irritating, um, particularly because I don't think there's any real connection between being an intellectual and being intelligent i mean there is in some regards like you you do need to have a baseline of kind of intelligence to to be able to uh deal with some intellectual challenges but there's people seem to think like oh if i can show that i'm engaging in these intellectual dialogues then i'll prove once and for all that i'm intelligent and i'm like worthy of this social status and i'm worthy of being in this particular group and belonging like being intellectual doesn't prove anything like it it really does there are a lot of academics who you would be shocked at how unintelligent they actually are and how pigeonholed like becoming doing a phd all i really did was get more and more pigeonholed um become more and more burnt out like lose my capacity to deal with other problems because i was so far down the rabbit hole of one particular issue like being an intellect doesn't it's not the fucking i don't know i think you just learn how to memorize more than anything else like 
you learn how to memorize like words and positions I I and ideologies and oh, I have a terrible memory. I can't fucking yeah. remember anything. Um, oops. Annie says, I'd rather be friendless and true to what I think than surrounded by people who don't know who I am. I totally agree. I mean, I just like to me, not being myself is the worst torture in the world, not being able to say what I think and not being able to be authentic. And that's actually why um, all of my relationships have ended because in these relationships I've been, I felt oppressed because I felt like I couldn't say what I think and I couldn't talk about the things I wanted to. And I couldn't like, you know, not because I didn't try, (laughs) you know, because they wouldn't want to engage or because they would want to have a more surface level relationship. Like they wanted to pretend things were fine when they weren't fine or they, associated you know difficult conversations with arguments like so it's like if you're you know upset about something or you want to talk about something that's sort of like awkward or difficult or whatever they're like uh can't you just like shut up and pretend everything's fine i was like no i'm completely incapable of pretending everything's fine if it's not fine i cannot i cannot like it feels like torture to me right a lot of people think that um keeping up a pretense that we're getting along is kind of more important than the depth to which we're getting along. And it, it, it requires taking a risk. Like having a hard conversation is taking a risk. Me putting out how I really feel about you or a particular issue that you might not agree with is taking a risk. There's vulnerability. So we don't do it because we think that I'll keep my re- relationship with you rather than be real. Um, because I just want to keep you and I don't want to lose the relationship. So mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm giving up what I believe in. But but in doing so, you're actually giving up the opportunity to go deeper with that person. There is a risk that you'll reject me or that you'll have a different viewpoint. But we don't know until we go there. We don't know how deep the relationship could go. It could actually potentially have space for both. Or we could find out we don't connect that deeply and I want to yeah so therefore it doesn't work it's tough when you've had so many experiences numerous experiences over and over and over again where you try that and it fails because you sort of learn like okay this is just gonna mean I'm not gonna be friends with this person or we're gonna have to break up and it's like so then you aren't weighing should I say what I think? Should I try to have this conversation? You're weighing, should I have this conversation and lose this friend versus not say anything and keep this friend? Or, you know, I would say boyfriend, except again, I'm incapable. (laughs) (laughs) Like when you're with somebody that much, I can't just fake it. Like if it's like a friend that you see like once a month and it's sort of like, okay. Like, it's, uh, I don't like it, and it sucks, but it's sort of, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it creates a di- distance, and that's what I feel like people don't understand, is that by pretending, I think, creates a distance. It doesn't right. keep the relationship together. I mean, I guess you still have a relationship, but I think it makes you less close. It's really tough because, you know, sometimes I've, uh, you know, in the past, I haven't had great boundaries, and, and then afterwards I've I've come up and said like hey you actually did this thing and it really pissed me off um and in some cases it uh therefore the relationship was severed or it was lost completely but the reason it was lost completely is does not mean that I shouldn't have raised the fact that this is how I feel 
the right. the reason the relationship was lost completely is that the relationship wasn't safe in the first place. The relationship was built on the foundation of me not having boundaries and respect for myself and voicing my views. So the second I voiced my views, the relationship was gone. Right. And so that's why, you know, and I don't want to say fake, but it was a relationship that wasn't really built on authenticity. And so the moment you bring authenticity into the equation, the relationship evaporates. And it's like, yeah, that like, sucks. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it sucks, but don't you want to have the opportunity then in the space that you now have where you've lost friendships or boyfriends because you were authentic, you now have the space to find people who you can be authentic with, or do you want to keep filling that space up with people who you can't be real with just so that you never have to be alone? Yeah. And I think that's a really good point because it's true. Like it offers an opportunity to have real relationships instead of fake relationships. I mean, there's always fear about losing because, you know, no, I mean, in general, those people are not like all bad or all good. There's lots of things you like about them. You have fun with them or whatever, Mm -hmm. but then there's all these bad things too. But yeah, I think you're right that it's like, a lot of times these friendships are friendships that you forged many years ago. So, you know, in my case, those kinds of friendships are probably, you know, 20 years old. And so when we first became friends, we didn't know each other. We probably just were really like kind of fake and superficial with each other. Mm -hmm. And now I value different things. I'm, I'm a different person. Um, You know, I'm definitely more interested in, authenticity and I'm more intentional about that um the kinds of conversations I want to have are different conversations Mm. so it's sort of like you're letting go of this thing that you've you've held on to for a long time um but yeah and that it is because you know I don't want to so now I'm just like sort of vaguely talking about something specific also like more of like I'm talking about therapy I feel like we skipped the whole conversation that we planned to have on this show I do just want to point out one more thing though no I'm not yeah which is that I think you can be authentic and genuine and you can uphold your political positions with people who don't feel the same way as you um But I think there's this idea that you can't and that the minute we be authentic about, you know, I do want to think critically about uh, gender identity legislation or actually I do want to think critically about whatever the fuck it is people are arguing about coronavirus, say. Um, There should be space in your friendships and relationships to disagree and say, like, I deeply disagree with you on that but I still really respect your view and I still want us to keep building this friendship. So through this process of disagreeing, we can go deeper in our authenticity and like still have space for that. But for some reason, I think we think that as soon as we're authentic about something political, it'll fracture it, it'll end it. And it will with some people. Some people cannot, some people don't have the capacity to disagree and still have that person in their life. And you, you can't be friends with those people because you'll never be able to be safe. Or but they detached, you know, personal judgment or ethics or whatever to political positions. So they're still mm-hmm. stuck in that thing that I used to be stuck in when I was younger. I look like I'm so, like, old and wise. <laughs> Three <laughs> years ago, I used to think. 
<laughs> but if you didn't yeah. see things this way, you actually were unethical. And lots of people are stuck in that. And they're stuck in that so that they can defend their own, you know, blinders in terms of yeah. their political position being the right one and everybody yeah. else is wrong. Yeah. Um, I, somebody says, yeah, wing, uh, have a half ass surface relationship against being phony and suppressing what you think feel half the time. I think that's mm-hmm. good. I mean, it is, I don't know how people do life like being phony and passive aggressive and having only surface relationships because it really does feel kind of painful to me. And I read something recently, actually, I wish I could remember where it was. It maybe was just on Instagram, (laughs) but that said that loneliness wasn't actually about not being around people. It was about not being, being able to be authentic with people and having real connections and being able to share your real feelings and true self. And I was like, Oh my God, totally. Like I'm talking to people all the time and I'm around people all the time, but that's not the thing that makes me, you know, what would make me feel lonely is if I didn't have friends or people in my life that I could really talk to about all the things that I'm feeling and thinking And that sort of made me understand better, like, why I feel so tortured when I have relationships or friendships um, with people where I can't talk about stuff that's, like, that's in my mind. And, you know, as a, like, major overthinker and somebody who, like, as my mother once said, I think you just feel things more strongly than other people. Like, I'm, like, very, like, emotional and I'm, like, you know, things bug me a lot. Like, if I'm having... With people that I care about, not the internet or whatever, strangers. But, like, you know, somebody is really important to me. It really matters to me a lot if we're not friends or things are challenging or there's a conflict or I don't feel, whatever, like we're connecting or something. Like, it really makes me feel anxious, like, probably more than anything else, to be honest. Um, But... Yeah, like that that would be the worst thing to me if I didn't have have people that I could talk to about that stuff and who really knew me and really understood me and really I could just be myself and say whatever I want and they would never yeah. abandon you. And I guess that's yeah. that's probably something that's hard to find, which makes the whole thing even more scary because yeah. it's like, you know, there's probably going to be two maybe three people in your life like that and you're like, "Fuck, I really can't fuck this up because then" I really am. But, it's not that you don't know lots of people. You don't people that you can hang out with. It's just not that yeah, like that. Yeah, right? yeah. I think one of the tricky things too is when when you're learning like that you can actually voice how you feel and you should be able to be authentic and you should be able to be real with your friends. The other part of having your voice and having boundaries is also containing them and using them appropriately. So like if you want to feel safe within your relationships to be who you are and to be real, you have to offer that same safety in reciprocity with the person you're expecting it from. So if I expect that I can bring up with you, I have this really contentious opinion. I think you're not going to agree, but I want to be real with you and express it and hope that we can still be friends then I have to be able to hold the same for you. Like it can't just go one way. And it also can't be expressed in a way where I'm expecting you to pick this up and to carry it yourself, like to do the work for me. It's like, these are my views. Like I can hold on to them. I can respect that they're mine and that you're not, they're not yours. And I can also hold that you're going to have totally different ones that I'm not going to be comfortable with as well. So like it has to go 
both ways. Otherwise, we end up with political purity and that you can only be friends with people who have exactly the same politics as you and don't talk to anyone else and da-da-da-da-da. Like if we're going to be open to being friends with people outside of our particular mindset, which is everyone, (laughs) then we have to be open to giving them the same space and reciprocating that kind of mutual respect which is really hard to do. Like it takes a lot of practice and I think it takes a lot of fucking up, burning bridges, like fucking up, letting people walk all over you, fucking up, being silent when you should have said something till you get to a point where you can kind of find the balance um, and be yourself without overstepping someone else's boundaries but also upholding your own at the same time. It's tricky. I think there's a couple of people in the comments saying that this is why they don't identify as a rad femme. I have to say I really hate that term. I think that it's very stupid, (laughs) that radical feminist, Um, because so somebody says I used to consider, yeah, well, it's just like the purity politics and the like the sort of tests like, oh, you do this and you're out. Like it's like, and, and, you know, within those circles, I'm going to just say I'm talking about online. I'm not talking about in real life. Um, You know, they police those boundaries and they're very judgmental. Um, They're very much into purity politics and they're very much into like, can you be a radical feminist if, or like, is this person still a radical feminist? And to me, I'm just like, I don't want it at all then if this is like a fucking test test. like I'm just trying to be myself here like I'm not attached to this identity or this label you are and you're kind of imposing it on me you know obviously there's a lot of um rad femmes online many of whom are anonymous who you know are like Megan's not a radical a rad femme I'm like okay don't care you're the only one who cares about this (laughs) I don't want to label myself as anything I want to have real conversations about real things and tell you what I honestly think I guess you don't want that you want to repeat like ideologies back and forth to one another and pretend to be someone you're not like it's like hey man why are you anonymous on the internet is it because you're scared to be yourself yeah why is that See, here's the thing, like, if we're going to be critical of systems of oppression, we're never got, like, there's no end point. We're all living in what people like to call neoliberalism and white supremacy. And uh, there's no, no one's achieving perfectionism in this current situation that we live within. Well, no, but these people are anonymous, so we don't know what they really do or think. And I mean, I, I find it that it's very interesting that the people who often lead these, like, political purity contests are anonymous on Twitter or on Facebook and who are constantly like disparaging and attacking public women. Um, You know, it's like, what are you, what are you like in real life? Like I bet you're not perfect. You don't get to know. Yeah. We don't, we don't get to like apply those same tests to you that you apply to everyone else. Like that's convenient. Mm. See, here's the thing with the radical feminist thing. Like, I've never taken a particular label, though I certainly have used feminist analysis in my work. But um, I'm not interested in people critiquing the way I live, though I understand how I contribute to certain issues. But at the same time, if I'm going to, um, if if I want you to give 
me the space to be myself and have a particular position that you might not agree with like lots of people will say well Laura wears too much makeup so that's that's like not radical feminist yeah it's probably not I don't give a shit (laughs) don't care me not caring means I have to also accept that you're gonna do things that I don't agree with so if someone has a position for example there's people who you know adamantly believe that there are ethical forms of pornography and I'm like okay I have to acknowledge that there's a reason you see the world that way and that there has to be some validity to your argument if I believe that I can live the way I live and that there is validity to the things I believe do you know what I mean yeah and it's not it doesn't mean I'm getting on board with your argument it just means I see why you're going to hold that argument. I'm just not going to get on board with it. We can still be friends though. Right. Um, okay. So <laughs> what were you meant to get be back to our check-in. Hours. How are you? How's your week been? <laughs> <laughs> What's we going on in New Zealand with the lockdowns? Um, I think they're ending it, but I'm not are really they? sure. I'm very, I'm very okay. ignorant. Okay. So BC just announced, um, yesterday that we were ending the lockdowns in phases there's four phases starting mid-may so after the long weekend which is like the weekend of may 15th um we're starting to open things up again so we're gonna be able to get haircuts yeah um i'm sure there's gonna be big wait lists we're gonna be able to get our nails done they're gonna start opening up bars and restaurants with restrictions um and we can hang out in small groups in houses or outside no big groups obviously um i think that kids aren't going back to school until september they're going to start experimenting with bringing some kids back to school mid-may and june but they're um high needs kids so i don't think it'll be all kids Uh and i was really really excited i mean i i am excited like i'm excited to hang out with my friends but i'm just like well like what are we gonna do like it's really nice here at least so but we were already going to the park so that's not that different like it's it's nice and sunny well it's spring but it's very summery like it's like 23 degrees this week like it's like beautiful outside um and you know like obviously i can have people come over here but it's not really the same as going to the bar and getting wasted and talking to people. I miss it so much. Like yeah. I so, and then I was like, "Oh, it's not. I'm still not going to be able to do that. Like the bars aren't going to be like that. Like you're not going to yeah. be able to go to. I mean, I don't know. You might be able to where you are, but in Vancouver, like the bars here." You're not going to be able to pack a bunch of people onto a bar and stand around and spit in each other's faces. Not that I want to spit in people's faces, but that's like what transmits the disease. It's all, it's droplets. So it's like, it can't be loud. It can't be crowded. You can't be like close to other people. Like, so I'm like, "Mm, I know. I'm just like, I want to go to a dark, loud bar and talk really close in people's faces. And like yell. That's I. I want to like get really loud and like yeah. lose my voice permanently as I do every summer. And you're not like <laughs> you're not actually having a conversation. You're just saying words, but it's like really, it feels really good. I just like talking shit. 
I want to go to the bar and sit on the bar stool and like stare at everybody else and like speculate about what they're doing and if they're on a date or if they hate each other or why they're wearing that stupid hat or whatever. I I don't know. I get so wasted when I go out that like I don't think we actually talk about anything. We're just like saying words and making noises. I mean, eventually it gets to that point, but that's sort of like back at my house afterwards. Oh, okay. (laughs) Australians drink quite heavily, so like. It gets pretty messy. Um, okay, yeah. So I don't know. I sort of I feel like people like I I'm I'm really excited that we're starting things up again. And I mean, and I do want to say that in BC we flatten the curve. We have very few new cases. We have very few deaths. Um, we really did take good care of things, and people are being really respectful about the thing. Like it's like. I don't expect people to be going out in big groups here or like breaking the rules or whatever. Like Canadians love to follow rules. God. Um, So, uh, but yeah, it it won't be the same and it won't be like, yeah, it's going to be quiet. It's not going to be like a big party. Like it was like restaurants. I can go out to eat again. And it was like, which will be fun, but it just, it won't be the same. So it's sort of like, did you notice or... that as things got locked down, I maybe I only noticed this, like, I'm quite a loud person, apparently. And I noticed, like, as things got locked down, everyone was getting really quiet. And I felt really awkward, like, in public. Like, you had to talk quietly. And I was like, this is so I'm not capable. Weird. Yeah, I can't do that. It's really uncomfortable for me. And I, f- I feel like I'm breaking the rules by talking loudly. But that's just how I talk. So I don't really know how to behave anymore. Like I'm really out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I am really loud. And like everybody that knows me knows that I'm incapable and quiet. And that if we're like, I don't know, at somebody's apartment, they're like, we gotta be quiet. Like the neighbors, I'll be like, okay, got it. And then five minutes later, I'll be like, <laughs> like me too (laughs) i'm always the one that turns the music out too loud and is like laughing too loud and like shouting (laughs) yes me too Um, but nonetheless i'm still i'm excited that we can hang out in groups i'm excited and i mean i'm also glad for like the business owners too like i really want the bars and restaurants and i don't know if they'll be able to make it it's hard enough to survive in vancouver when things are normal a bunch of i'm sure a lot of them will shut but I'm glad that they'll have an opportunity to maybe try to survive and hopefully the government helps them out for the next year until we get things organized. Um, So so. what's been happening on the internet this week? Um, Oh, also, wait, wait, I'm not done my my recap from this past week. I also built a bed frame, which is the worst thing I've ever done in my fucking life. And I'm never fucking, I have bruises Oh my god! I have like wait. What I were you like, doing with the bed frame? Well, this it, the when we were putting together the headboard, my friend Allie helped me. It pinched my oh Allie, my friend Allie, you know Allie, yeah. um, pinched my arm to get. I don't know. It was just this like really heavy. It was like I cannot describe how awful it was and how angry I was that they make you pay money hundreds of dollars to buy a thing and then you have to put this piece of shit together like the parts (laughs) that they send you I was like okay like it's 
you know, particle board and then a billion screws. The directions were awful. Like, and I didn't buy a fucking cheap piece of shit. Like, I didn't spend thousands of dollars either. But, you know, I've never bought a bed frame before. I just want to say this is the first bed frame hey. I've ever bought in my life. So, congratulations to me. Like, I've like, just gotten hand-me-downs. Or my, like, I feel like this year or the past year is the first time I've ever actually bought a piece of furniture. <laughs> like, I've just always gotten everyone else's old furniture. Yeah. It's free. It's my apartment has always looked like shit. <laughs> since the lockdown, I think I might be talking about it's this. It's IKEA, right? I was like, no, it's not IKEA, but same thing, okay. essentially. I got it on yeah. Wayfair. So, okay. I mean, it, it's the same concept as IKEA. So um, you paid money for torture, for manual labor torture. I th- This is the scam of the century. That people yeah. buy a very expensive piece of furniture and then they have to put it together and they can't put it together. Like I would have yeah. not been able to do it alone. It was impossible because the pieces were too heavy and pe- somebody had to like hold one part. Where, yeah. like, and it, so Allie was helping me and it was so fucking hard with the two of us. Like we needed like a third person actually. And the directions were pictures and they were so like they would leave out parts like being like because we'd be like this doesn't make any sense and eventually we'd figure out like oh it's because you need to screw this part in here but it's not in the directions they're just like "Eh, they'll figure it out like (laughs) and like you know you can you can hire people to do this for you but of course I can't do that now because you know you can't have some stranger in your home Allie and I you know I've been close enough for long enough that I'm sure we should spit many times and I don't see other people I don't mean we aren't making out guys that's not what I meant <laughs> she's in your bubble though she's married <laughs> um but uh I was just I was so mad it was the worst experience and I just Aww. I can't believe that they've all tricked us into doing this thing where we all pay a bunch of money to put furniture together and these parts must cost them you know 50 bucks like it's shit like it's not good quality it's not solid wood right it's fucking particle board like what a joke i think the problem is if it's put together you can't get it in your house so like it has to be in pieces yeah but couldn't it be like less pieces (laughs) couldn't it be not a million stupid fucking pieces. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I think you can get partially assembled furniture. Okay. You know what you have to do is you have to buy the, the display one because then it's like not fully in pieces. It'll just be in like a few pieces. Okay. Anyway, can. this is not an interesting story. I just wanted to, my apartment's really coming together. And um, <laughs> so, okay. Things are so, going really well. <laughs> it's like I really, I've really kind of like redone my whole apartment in lockdown. Like my balcony is looking great. I've like been, I've got like stuff growing out there: pea shoots, tomato plants, mint, spinach. Yeah, well, God. we're Only building a um, RV. That's what we've decided we're doing. Because like previous to this, we were just traveling. Like we just like lived in different countries. Now we can't. Um, so we're just like going to build an RV with our savings instead of spending it on rent. This is the most exciting thing I've ever heard. 
And this then, is like my dream. I want so like I wanted like an RV or a camperized van for like twenty years. Okay, so then the next thing after that is we'll ship it from in a container because we're building to fit in a container. We'll ship it to Panama and then we'll drive up the Pan American, whatever it's called. Oh, great. Um, I don't know very much about it. Um, we've driven the United States once before, but we want to do it like slower and to have time. It's fucking expensive. So this is like one way of doing like Central America, United States, and then up to Canada. So it's going to be very cool. So I guess I'll this see you like in Vancouver. This is like my dream. Like, okay. Well, you got to come check out my balcony. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you my bedroom too. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I cannot wait to see your bedroom. Okay. So like the things that we were actually going to talk about, we're, we're going to have to talk about some of them in the Patreon only because that's starting in 20 minutes. And you guys um, join us in the Patreon only chat afterwards the link is down below um you only have to pay like five bucks or you can pay more if you want to to support me (laughs) do that it is definitely worth your while yeah and or to you know participate in these these patreon only live streams and ask questions because that's the whole point of being on patreon is that we can take your questions so please yeah yeah ask us questions ask us anything you want like bring us stuff you want to talk about feel free to ask us for advice like i don't know that i have any good advice but laura has lots of really good advice <laughs> I'm pretty pissed, by the way <laughs> i don't know if I have give any everybody advice even if they don't ask um okay so like one of the things that i had wanted to talk about because it was all over the internet this week was karen white and that's karen with a c which of course is very amusing because the whole karen with a k debate was happening recently around whether or not that was misogynist and it was determined according to the internet that karen was a horrible white lady who was racist and would talk to store managers, which is very oppressive. And uh, if, if you defend Karen, you're also racist because Karen is um, middle-class. And I think people were saying, just so everyone knows the Karen meme was started by white men on Reddit. And it was started by a guy who was mad at his ex for taking custody of his kids. Um, it had nothing to do with race or class. Yeah, <laughs> that was just yeah. something people invented on Twitter in order to defend a meme that hated on boring, yeah. basic white ladies who wanted to talk to the manager. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so Karen White, yeah, you did you read the article that she wrote? I have read her blog. Yes. Okay. Maybe you can give us a summary of what's up with Karen White. That's such an okay. So my position on Karen White is kind of defensive. Like I, I read the article and I read what people were saying online, and I was like, actually, no. Like I'm sort of a bit on Karen's side. So <laughs> obviously, which makes me a Karen that too. Is so white, Megan. <laughs> disgusting. Of course, I'm Megan disgusted. Murphy is on Karen's side. <laughs> She's moving right wing. <laughs> Karen, Karen isn't right wing as far what as I know. Next, neither am I. What next? 
Karen White is a lady. Okay, so here's this, this is what I understood from Karen White. She is a lady who bakes her own bread and does various yuppie things, like is, I don't know, gluten-free. No, and- you're wrong. Wrong. Oh, I don't know. Wrong. This is what everyone on the internet thinks. Okay, so Karen, she does bake her own bread. Mm-hmm. But this is according to her post, which she's taken down now. But yeah. there's archived version. There's archived versions on the internet. Um, so she bakes her own bread. This is like her thing. She's poor. This is what she says. I can't. I can't buy bread or like buy you know pre-made products in the grocery store. But she also cares a lot about her health. And she she cooks for herself all the time. She uses she's really careful about using all organic stuff. And I actually think this is kind of respectable. Like as long as you're not you know like Kourtney Kardashian, um, you know she's you know and being like I'm so uptight about all this shit. But and everyone should do it. But it's so easy for me because I'm a millionaire, so I can just have these things delivered to my house that are like super high end, and I know that there's like you know no sugar in it at all seven thousand dollars but it's going to totally overhaul your micronutrient diet like fuck up anyway please continue so she so she buys organic flour she's been baking around bread forever um she says in her post organic flour is is expensive and i am poor so i always try to buy it when it goes on sale but so the lockdowns happen, the pandemic happens, and she goes to the store, and there's no flour, so she mm-hmm. can't bake her bread, and she's really mad, which I, you know, I can relate to because flour's been sold out in New Zealand for a while too, so I get that. Yeah, I mean, I tried to buy almond flour, and I couldn't buy it anywhere for a while. Wow, how rich are you? Oh my god! I mean, I don't bake that much, Laura. Like the amount of times that I use almond flour is like very few times, but I can't buy real flour because, like, even though bread is like my favorite food in the entire world, it makes me fat. So, bread. Oh, bread. Okay, right. Like, I would love to bake my own bread, but then I would eat it all, and then I would be like two hundred pounds. This is actually um, funny because I just got a raise and the first thing me and my boyfriend did was buy the expensive milk and we were both like, oh my God, this is what rich people I saw him post that on his, in his Instagram stories and I was like, do you guys drink milk? Yeah, we bought rich people milk and it actually takes- Like, do you drink a glass milk. of milk? No, 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 for it to make like hot drinks with. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I was like, yeah. are you 10? <laughs> I thought you are 10, so maybe you do. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> that you love to eat fries and chicken nuggets and then maybe with a glass of milk. <laughs> Sometimes I drink milk and hot chocolate. Yeah. Like, okay. You know, okay, so go back okay, to the so, so she goes to the store. There's no flour there because all these people in quarantine were like, I'm going to take up this new habit of baking bread. I'm going to post it all over Instagram. And just for the record, I'm making this annoying sounding voice as though these people are annoying, but I totally support baking bread. And I'm really happy that people in lockdown and in quarantine are getting productive and, you know, developing good habits and like cooking food. I'm happy of their gardening. I'm happy of just do anything to, you know, save your mental health. Totally. But so she says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to quote from her article. Baking bread is a way of life for me, not a hobby, not something to do just to pass the time. I don't eat store-bought bread, which is probably good because there's all sorts of, like, chemicals and, like, you know, again, sugar and stuff in those yeah. those breads. 
Um, I, I rarely eat prepared foods of any kind. Again, good, because you're not going to be eating processed food. If you visited my kitchen, you would find food. You would find food but nothing to eat because I only buy stock ingredients. I do all of my own cooking and baking on Saturday nights. I don't order pizza. I make it from scratch, including the crust. I also grow my own popcorn. No, you don't. Doesn't that mean How you grow corn? Do you grow popcorn? What the fuck? Okay, maybe this is actually a lie. I didn't actually notice this line until I just read it out line now, out loud now. <laughs> I grow my own popcorn. <laughs> is popcorn not made from corn kernels? Yes. Does she have like a small rice? Does she mean that she grows uh, corn or does yeah. I grow my own popcorn? You can't grow popcorn. Maybe she, she. I mean, she's clearly just not a good writer. So. Karen, no, wait. Karen, I think no. the biggest problem with Karen is that she's a bad writer. So I this think is how loud why. I get when I get drunk. Did you hear the high pitch? That's like, if you met any of my friends, that's what they would make fun of me for. It'd be like, <laughs> okay, wait. Karen White is probably trolling the whole internet right now. Like, I doubt oh. that this is a real person. Yeah, that's a perfect name to troll the internet with. Karen White, I grow my own popcorn. You're all privileged and I'm oppressed. Like, what and a not only setup. you're all privileged, but you're taking food out of my children's mouths. So this is what she goes on to say, like, oh, stop buying flour. Stop buying organic flour. You're literally taking food out of my kids' mouths. Um I mean, what I was going to say is that, like, I feel like what she was saying is commendable. Like, I think that more people, and I'm not one of these people, so I'm not being like, you guys should all do this because it's what I do. Um, Obviously, I've been cooking at home a lot more since these lockdowns, but in general, I would prefer to, like, get takeout or delivery or go out to eat or eat a bunch of popcorn and wine for dinner. Um, yeah. Okay. So, like, but I think that cooking at home is actually it's way healthier because you can control what's in your food. So you can control, you know, in general, if you're getting food out, there's going to be a lot of sugar, a lot of salt. Who knows what well, else in it? Yeah. Um, and you know, it's more ethical. I think that it's probably cheaper in the long run. I think that it's like good for your mental health, all sorts of things. You're not giving money to big corporations. Um, you aren't dealing with all this packaging and plastic. Why do you blah, hate blah, 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 small blah. food artesian food stores? Anyway, go on. Me? <laughs> I'm doing what the internet does. You oh. hate small businesses that grow. That, of that course, I love spending money on fancy things. <laughs> <laughs> but also, if you, if you, anyway, okay, I'm not going to get sidetracked again. Um, so you know. The response to her was essentially, I find it funny because I feel like she was trying to call out privilege. Like she was like, you know, you're just, so she says, when you buy up all of the flour and leavening ingredients for the sake of pretty photos on your Instagram feed, you're literally taking food from my mouth. Maybe she was trolling. And the mouths of other families who also do their own baking so that they can provide healthy food for their families. Um, So I feel like, what I related to was the fact that was this, is this an, she was annoyed about Instagramming because it is annoying. It is annoying that it's like, I mean, do whatever you want to do under quarantine or lockdown or whatever. But why is my whole feed full of the shit that you're doing? Like, I'm not like posting photo actually. I mean, in my stories, 
not actually. I was like, I'm not posting photos of myself working, but I was. But it was just <laughs> I'm not posting cool photos. <laughs> but like photos of your bread and like all of the activities that you're doing and being all cute and being like, ah, quarantine, look at all the stuff I'm doing. Like that's annoying. And it's obviously like a trend. Like all of a sudden everyone starts breaking bread. She's like, this is my lifestyle. I bake bread mm. every day or all the time or whatever. This mm. is how I like feed my family. And you guys are just doing this because it's cool. So you can post photos on Instagram. And once these like couple of months are up, then you're going to stop. And I just want to go live my life and buy my flowers. So I, I get why that's annoying. Yeah. Um, and the internet responded by calling her a privileged classist white supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> they do. <laughs> Which I thought was so funny because I feel like she was trying to call people out on their privilege and then everyone else called her out on her privilege and I feel like it was like the perfect um, call out SJW war that came back full circle. (laughs) No, you're you're (laughs) Okay, wait. So keeping in mind this is the same internet that told us that Anne Franks has white privilege. So, <laughs> so, um, how much credit? One more thing before we move on to Anne Frank is that somebody tweeted. <laughs> that's my favorite tweet about Karen White. Karen White is the most Karen of Karens by definition. The elitist notions that uh, the elitist notion that others must stop baking bread says so she who has the privilege of time. And money to make everything she eats from scratch can find her ingredients is tone deaf, classist BS. This is my favorite privilege argument yet, is that you have time privilege. Did that get like a bunch of... You have time to cook. Fuck you, you elitist. (laughs) (laughs) She's probably fucking unemployed. That's why she has time. But anyway, tell us more about white privilege because if Anne Franks has white privilege then we're all fucked okay so well the the Anne Frank thing I mean is actually also really epitomizes this whole like identity politics the whole problem with identity politics and this like uh the oppression olympics I guess is what we used to call it back Mm -hmm. in 10 years ago or whatever so so somebody tweets um who identifies as his, his Twitter account seems to be suspended, but he's on Instagram and is he's an African communist revolutionary is what he says. I, I don't think he's a communist living revolutionary, where? but living where? Oh, in the States. Um, right. So he tweets, fuck, <laughs> who the fuck tweets this? Fuck and Frank. No, nah, this is what gonna be another tweets. Fuck Anne Frank. <laughs> like no, you cannot. Fuck Anne Frank. As a black child in America, all through school, I was propagandized to mourn. Maybe this person is trolling us too. To mourn a Becky. Like it, this actually sounds invented. I wasn't told about the countless black girls America genocided, indigenous girls genocided, Palestinian girls that Israel is killing through genocide right now. And I mean, the, the second part of that is legit. Like the, the, what we're taught about history and school is totally racist. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but it's not Anne Frank's fault. 
<laughs> you know, racism no, isn't Andrew's fault. I'm trying to set this whole fucking thing in motion. Think about it. Think about like, it. This is, I mean, this is the problem with um, talking about like white versus POC and white privilege. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Anne Frank is white, yeah. You know? Like, well, this is the yet, whole thing. Had that, no privilege, right? At all. And this is this is what um, the Holocaust really fucks up people's notions of white privilege. And I mentioned this last week when we were talking about white privilege, and I was like, it's interesting because when Brexit happened, people suddenly cared about Polish people, and it was like, oh racism and white privilege except polish people <laughs> because there was like all this discrimination against polish well, what people about happening. jews like what about jews like what about zionism anti-semitic Megan? hate crimes are on the rise currently that's a bunch know. of fucking white privilege do you hate Palestine, though? I mean come on megan i mean fucking I hell not. you sound like not. you hate palestine um yeah somebody says yeah gazi i'm fuck i'm really sorry i'm probably gonna pronounce this wrong and then oppress somebody but gazi koto um that was the person who who tweeted this Mm -hmm. i mean it's just it's like i feel like we're living in a satirical world yeah you know like every like the hot takes are just trying to one-up one another until they reach this like absurdity yeah. This is perfect, but they don't recognize it and they don't stop it. You know, their well, hot takes just turn into other hot takes. So people start defending this guy and being like, he was criticizing she- white supremacy, not Anne Frank. And it's like, well, he did say fuck Anne Frank. But okay. Well, here's the thing. Why would you stop doing these like ridiculous hot takes when it, that's what gets clicks? Like, like this thing about the the bat fried rice thing. Like yeah. doing a hot take on that is going to get way more clicks than doing a hot take on, you know, slave labor or something like that. Like we kind of can't stop. Uh, We're trapped in the news media cycle that is like what gets clicks is what you get paid to do. Like, you know, well, yeah, and that's how it. the internet works is that the more yeah. likes you get, the more great you are and the more right you are. So you get a bunch of retweets, you get a bunch of likes, you get a bunch of people liking your shit on Facebook. Then it's like, mm-hmm. I've got a great opinion. Um, and people are scared to criticize you because they're on the internet. And if you say mm-hmm. something like, mm, I don't know, like mm-hmm. I will, I'm going to say something really controversial right now. You guys, I should probably save it for two minutes from now when we're doing our live stream so that I don't get in more trouble than I already am. But mm-hmm. um, in Vancouver, uh, there was recently a news report of a guy punching a youngish, a young woman who's Asian. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a really horrible video. Like he, she's really just like, she's standing there and this guy comes up and like nails her. Um but if you look at the video, the dude is a crackhead. And that's mm-hmm. happened to people that I know so many times. Like, yeah. I've been yeah. screamed at and spat on and yeah. threatened. And, you know, I haven't been physically attacked because I, like, got the fuck away and, like, got yeah. on the bus. Or, like, I yeah. had a man with me who took it on. But, like, there are a lot of people in Vancouver who are struggling with mental health issues and addiction issues and have nowhere to go. And it's even worse now. Um you know, the guys in my alley right outside my house, like, it's even more. You know, people are 
in more dire situations than they were before. There's more people on the street. There's more people who are high. There's more people who are really desperate for their drugs. Um, and this is a guy who's clearly a fucking, I mean, I've seen these guys a million times. Like he's fucked out of his gourd. He's obviously dealing with mental health issues and is high and he just punches some random person on the street and the amount of, and I'm not saying that there's not racism against Asian people in Vancouver. There is raci- racism. There's a history of racism against Asian people in Canada. Um, but this wasn't a racist crime. This was a crackhead punching a random, maybe because she was a woman and she's weak and small. We walked by and the people who are very desperately wanting to turn this into like a politicized narrative that fits their particular narrative. Um, I find just sort of odd. I mean, I don't, I don't know. They jump I don't, on, they jump on. It's a desperation for a hot take. I think that's yeah. what I'm trying to, I'm not, I'm not yeah. even, I don't want to, I don't even want to talk about, you know, the racism issue. I want to talk about people's behavior on the internet and mm-hmm. how much they want to have a, a take on the internet that achieves a certain amount of likes and that gets like a string of people saying yes fuck yes what the fuck i know thank you for saying this and that everyone else feels like they can't be like you know most people would probably watch that and be like this is a fucking crackhead like he's not being racist he's totally fucking fucked up like he has no idea what he's doing um and you, you know, if you were to post this dude is just a crackhead, this isn't a racist crime, then you would be jumped on by a hundred people who were also wanting to virtue signal to all their friends. So that's mm-hmm. what annoys me. It doesn't annoy me to yeah. think about this in terms of an analysis of misogyny or racism, even. It's the posting about it and the acting shocked and appalled in public and putting out this mm-hmm. narrative. And then, you know, we all know what would happen if somebody challenged that narrative. It's so strange because I feel like we're at a point where generally... Like, it's about it, me. It's not about the, the crime. It's not about the girl who got punched. Do you know what I mean? Sorry to interrupt. I just... Yeah. I'm very, like, careful about being, like, misread and misunderstood, which I probably will be anyway. But I do... I mean, the problem is that it's about you and your own narcissism and you projecting this idea of yourself on the internet that you're, like, noticing this and calling it out and you're a brave warrior to post about yeah, this racism yeah, yeah. or misogyny or whatever it is on... Or transphobia, if it were yeah. something else. On, on and this is why we talk about virtue signaling so much, right? Um, like I was talking with my partner about this in terms of the way people virtue signal by saying BIPOC, which is this ridiculous acronym that means Black Indigenous People of Color. And we're talking about how, like, it kind of signals that you don't really have anything to do with indigenous people. If you are using B I P O C because that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Why would you refer? And I hear people do this all the time. They're like, Oh, but indigenous people, like who are you talking about? Be specific because indigenous people in Australia have nothing to do with the indigenous people in Brazil, have nothing to do with indigenous people in Papua New Guinea, have nothing to do with indigenous people in the Pacific Islands. So you can't just say indigenous people. They're not the same people. Like, be clear. And even in Canada, 
Yeah, and I mean, in Canada, there was like a a whole bunch of different Indigenous communities and Indigenous populations. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no Indigenous population in Canada. There's no Indigenous history in Canada because these were very diverse communities and Mm -hmm. cultures um, that existed over long periods of time throughout history. I mean, Indigenous doesn't even mean this one blanket thing, as you just said, never mind poc like Mm. and like i'm all for if you're um concerned about or want to be involved in what's happening in your local area so you want to be more familiar with reach out to connect with indigenous leaders in your area that means a very specific thing it doesn't mean you're connecting with all indigenous people no you're still fucking clueless when it comes to people in south south america south africa wherever else like they're so fucking different so that's why this virtue signaling thing is just very gross and very uh homogenizing and to me, it's, it feels like the I have a black friend thing. It's like you sound like a fucking idiot. You sound like you're trying desperately to be like, I'm anti-racist. I'm anti-racist. And all you're doing is showing that you live in like a super white world yes. where you don't know anyone's background. So you just decided they're BIPOCs. Do you not know your your friends' backgrounds? Do you not actually have friends of like different ethnicities? You can just say where they're from. Yeah. Well, and because because they behave in this way by virtue signaling all the time, by posting things like this on the internet, so everyone can see that they're anti-racist mm-hmm. or anti-transphobic or anti-misogyny or whatever it is. It means that they impose this thing on other people who don't do, who don't participate in the virtue signaling that they're not opposed to racism or misogyny right. or transphobia or homophobia or whatever it is. Um, yes. So, you know, I, I talked about this last week, which is like, they're, they're all mad at me because I won't virtue signal, you know, like I won't just like name drop these various mm-hmm. privileges and, and mm-hmm. categories. I'm just like mm-hmm. saying what I think and what I mean. And I'm not, you know, using all these caveats and like, well, of course, I mean, and I still even do sometimes. It's like, yes, of course, like, racism if it's exists. relevant but to the my argument is, yeah, yeah, I don't just want to be throwing it out. Like, I don't want to just be saying these, these words don't mean anything when you use them like that, when you just throw out, like, racism, patriarchy, homophobia, transphobia, like, you're just... You're Neoliberalism. Just, it's interesting yeah. because, in a way, was the used world... Like that as well. The, the internet seems to have adopted this North American view uh, of racial politics, which is to say that people have, in fact, ad- adopted an ethnocentric view of race. So the people who are trying or who think they are somehow signaling to the world to the, that they're anti-racist and they live in all different parts of the world, but all they've really done is adopted the North American viewpoint which is a very specific viewpoint as it relates to slavery and the history that in particular happened in the United States, which is not the case, which is totally different from all other contexts. And, you know, you like, you have to address those contexts as they exist. Like slavery happened in all different parts of the world in all different ways at different times. Like you have to be clear about which one you're referring to and why. Otherwise, you're basically just kind of saying like, oh, I'm against bad things. Of course, everyone's against slavery. Of course, everyone's against racism. Like you're not 
achieving anything. You know, like, oh, you hate rape? Like, wow. same, same. I oh fucking God. hate rape. We, we are like the same. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength. We just, like, you get me. We should hang out. That's so much in common. <laughs> I don't want to hang out with people who love rape anymore. No, they're disgusting. Oh my god! See, that was a, a, a okay. We gotta we gotta log off and go to Patreon only in a minute. But I was yeah. <laughs> I was accused of being pro rape joke online by a bunch of rad femmes last week because somebody I can't even remember how the conversation started, but it was like I was accused of being a racist for talking about the bat fried right rice t-shirt design as a joke and then they were like that's like saying that like rape jokes are funny and i was like well sometimes rape jokes are funny and they were like what <laughs> you think rape jokes are funny <laughs> and everybody freaked out and a whole bunch of these like young and non-rad femmes started spreading these screenshots all over the internet on twitter and instagram saying that Megan thinks rape jokes are funny. <laughs> and the person responded who was like, what? You think rape jokes are funny? And I was like, yes, some jokes about rape are funny. That doesn't mean that I think that pro-rape jokes are funny. Like, you can make a joke about rape that's anti-rape that's funny. Like, are you stupid? Like, this is, like, the <laughs> stupidest. Like, do you want to be the cliche of, like, a dour, humorless, like mm -hmm. feminine like mm -hmm. i can't believe that you would even say it. the amount of people were like i can't believe you just said that and i was like am i living in like crazy land i was like no no <laughs> do you a rape joke can be funny it can also be not funny if it's not Chrissy funny it can rape. be insulting it can be misogynist <laughs> it's like what the <laughs> fuck is happening I feel like people can she who... be redeemed? Any, any? Some one of one of the ones who was saying that I was like I thought that racism was funny and that I loved Rachel posted a poll on Twitter saying, "Can Megan Murphy be redeemed? Like, can she be forgiven for being so horrible?" And I was just like, I don't want you to forgive me. You need to <laughs> like, go to your room and do the rosary and say 15 Hail Marys. Are you going to say 15 Hail Marys or not, Megan? Because if not, then you can just fuck off. Never. Like I never will. Never. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, you guys, we have to go to Patreon only. We're late. Um, come join us on what Patreon only. What are we talking only. about on Patreon? I don't know. I think we talked about it already. I mean, it's just going to get worse for me. <laughs> No, we have, I, we, have we, do, we did have some things that we wanted to talk about. Um, okay, what were they? Oh, look. I'll, I'll, okay, be serious. Yeah. Be yeah. serious. Oh, um, oh, okay. There was there was a question that we wanted to talk about, which I think you said somebody asked on Twitter, which is what to do if your work asks you to put pronouns in your signature, which I think is actually a tough one. Yeah. And um, I wanted to talk about... Uh, whether the whether the Corona you is the real you or it's just like a fake Corona quarantine you, and that might not make any sense right now, but it will make sense when I explain it. And I mean, who knows if we'll talk about either of those things or we'll just end up talking. <laughs> no, we will definitely about talk about boyfriends. Yeah, we're going to talk about my eight boyfriends. Yeah. yeah, we are. We need an update. Yes, we're going to talk about that. 
Okay, so we'll see you on Patreon. Remember to like, subscribe, share with your friends, sign up to Patreon, and we'll see you next week. Love you. Is that a good sign up? No, that's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) I'm upset now. I don't know if I want to do a show with you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Remember to click the like button right here, guys. Right here. Thanks, Laura. Okay, guys, see you on Patreon. Bye. Bye.